0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Sunday Punch Podcast. We have Aiden Grogan joining again. We're going to talk about the very profitable profitable business of war, and then we're going to get into the Ukrainian-Russia conflict. And I think the most important part, which we were just discussing, is why it's happening. I think 99% of people have no clue what's happening over there, and so... Wanted to have Aiden on to describe it and uh, explain it to the to the idiots like me. So let's um, it was Friday night last night. It's Saturday morning. But as we know, it's always Friday night on the SPP.
1: Friday night. I'm thinking that we just might fly away to someplace. They don't know who we are. now i'm riding shotgun in your car we drive through the city like explorers going 65 Blowing hair flying across your face. We left on Friday, now it's Saturday. Pressed jeans buttoned up, jeans iron slipping up. Red shoes walking slow, headphones blaring three stacks. Sunglasses flaring out, thick watch hanging low. Studded belt pulled taut, three stacks on the radio. Friday night, I'm thinking that we just might. Run away to some place we we can be who we are. We can be who we are.
0: Okay, let's get into this, Aiden. Um, let's start off with war in general. Uh, I was watching an interesting YouTube video saying that normal business profits are ten percent, right? Wartime profit margins for these companies range from 60 to 900%. And I thought it was interesting in your video uh, on your YouTube channel, how you described how 21,000 new millionaires and billionaires were made in world war one. So if you could just uh, explain the very profitable uh, business of war, that would be very helpful.
2: Yes. So war is profitable for two industries specifically. Uh, The, Industries that create all the armaments, so the weapons, the bombs, uh, the vehicles, and also the bankers who finance everything. So in the case of World War I, uh, the the bankers of countries like the United States and Britain were giving huge loans to the Entente Powers, France, Britain, uh, Russia. And actually, what's interesting Is that they will drag another country into a war just to make sure they get a return on their investments. And that's what happened when the United States entered the war in 1917. Uh, Britain, France, Russia were starting to lose. Germany, Austria, Hungary, and the Ottoman Empire were gaining ground. So the United States, in part, entered that war to secure returns on the investments of international bankers. And US General. Uh, Smedley Butler, who was uh, in the Marine Corps, he wrote a pamphlet called War is a Racket, in which he outlined how in World War One, there were, as you said, all these new millionaires in the United States because they profited so highly from the conflict. And another point he made is that if you want to stop this business of war, you should draft the politicians and the CEOs of the companies and the directors as well as their children before you send ordinary working class people to die.
0: Yeah, I mean, here's some numbers that I had. Um, DuPont, during war times, their profits increased 950%. um, If we want to jump ahead here, during the Iraq war, KBR, the main logistics company, for food, food, ammunition, et cetera. They made $39 billion in a decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, their parent company is Halliburton. It just so happens it's where uh, Dick Cheney used to work. Halliburton's CEO was paid $42 million in 2004. Titan was a uh, contractor for interrogators during this time. Their CEO made $47 million a year throughout that war. And then what, you know, wars are all backed by taxes. So we're paying for all of these exorbitant amount of uh, (laughs) CEO profits and then they jack up the prices, right? So, you know, it's wartime, so it really doesn't matter. So I was watching some interesting YouTube videos of during the Iraq war, Halliburton, you'd have to buy like a six pack of Coke, right? And they're like supplying it through the logistics team. And a six pack of Coke costs like
1: $75.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Or like their cabinets that they were going to, you know, hold all their stuff in in their rooms would cost like $850.
2: Right. Yeah. And I think another war that we should mention uh, that's specifically uh, an American Fortune 500. Uh, Phenomenon was uh, World War II because the Ford Motor Company, General Electric, General Motors were all funding and assisting Hitler's war machine, Mm -hmm. and that's because they were all part of the network uh, of the Council on Foreign Relations and the Royal Institute of International Affairs in Britain. And this network wanted Germany to expand across Central Europe. They were going to let Germany take Poland. They were going to let them take Czechoslovakia and. And Austria, and even perhaps France, uh, as long as they didn't start a big war. But the reason that they were opposed to Hitler using force at the time was not because they were anti-war. They were the most pro-war people, as, as was the case in World War I. But they knew that if they allowed Hitler to violate the Treaty of Versailles, then the British people would actually want to go to war to stop Germany from taking over the world, so to speak. But it all goes back to uh, these these few companies, the Ford Motor Company and General Electric and General Motors that were assisting Germany's expansion in that time period. Can you explain the Treaty
0: of Versailles?
2: Yeah, so uh, after World War One, there was a treaty, as there is after every major conflict, that arranges how Europe is going to be set up post-war. So Germany loses some of its uh, pre-World War I borders. And uh, they a big component of the Treaty of Versailles was they would not allow the Rhineland in uh, Western Germany to be militarized. Now, that was a major uh, industrial hub of Germany. And uh, if it was demilitarized, then... In the case of another war, uh, the French would have been able to plunge straight in to the Rhineland and uh, cripple uh, Germany's industrial capacity and thus render them incapable of waging a war to the east, which is what Hitler wanted to do and what he ultimately did do because the British allowed the Germans to remilitarize the Rhineland because they wanted them to expand. This was the secret policy. They wanted Germany to become a buffer against the Soviet Union. Because Russia was always a big enemy of the United States and Britain, going back over a hundred years.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted you to explain that, just in case people didn't know. So, yeah,
2: it is important for when we discuss uh, Russia and Ukraine, because this all has to do with how the world was divided up since World War One, really.
0: Mm-hmm. So just on the business of war again you mentioned uh funding both sides GM would make you know American tanks and and vehicles but they were they were also funding uh Germany as well so just mm-hmm. funding another reason why war is so profitable because you can fund both sides you don't yep. actually have to choose a side and there is no kind of morality but that was my next question is do you think these companies, I mean, it's so American to be, you know, we're capitalists. We're going to sell to whoever we're going to make as much profit as humanly possible. Do you think they should choose a side or or is it the smart decision to be on both sides? You know, people will give GM or, or Mercedes shit, right? But to me, it's like, why choose a side?
2: Well... This is this is where I think government has to step in and and severely penalize a company that's going to go fund the other side. And I think that's what ended up happening to some of these companies in in World War Two, they were they were considered traitors. So no, I don't, I don't, I don't think these companies should be able to get away with that. (laughs) um and then another profitable thing of war is that after you destroy everything you can then rebuild everything
0: Mm -hmm. so that's that's another yeah well you you
2: blow a country up and then you rebuild it in your own image and uh that's what we did with japan and that's what we tried to done with a lot of uh countries in in uh in in asia we tried to do that. Well, we did do that with South Korea. That's another example. So, you know, the, the it, basically the United States foreign policy post World War II is we're in charge. We set the rules on the world stage. If there's a country that doesn't want to cooperate with the American system, then we're going to overthrow it and we're going to put in some uh, democratic, liberal, free market uh, government that's going to uh, cooperate with us. Now, the advantage of that is like, well, you, you could end up like South Korea and be super prosperous, super wealthy. So it does work. But as we discussed in the last podcast, I think, I think that America is, is sort of making the world into a, like a gay pride shopping mall. Okay.
0: <laughs> That's quite the statement there. Um, I'm not sure if I should move on or push you on that one. <laughs> a gay pride shopping mall. Yeah. Well, it's pride. It what's wrong with that? Well, have you ever <laughs> been to one of these festivals? They're, they're quite they're a lot of fun. Dude. I have not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's break down the uh, Russia Ukraine conflict, because I think the important part here is. I didn't know going into this podcast, why Russia? You know, I just very top level, you know, bad guy does this because, you know, Russia is bad,
2: and they're always going to be bad. And they, so you blah, you blah. fell you fell for the Kamala Harris version of the story: big right. country invade small country, big country bad.
1: Right. So
2: it's isn't actually a very. The, isn't that Go what ahead. the US did in two thousand three in Iraq?
0: <laughs> right. I know. I, I mean, if we want to get into that, that's. I just watched. I think on the I mentioned on the last podcast. I watched Vice, which is about Dick Cheney mm-hmm. and how. I don't want to go all the way into the Iraq war. I think that's been covered. To, you know, if you if you want to get into all the conspiracy theories on the Iraq war, then there's plenty. There's plenty to cover.
2: Yeah, well, it's uh, they were looking for an excuse to go in because uh, as late as uh, was, well, er- I'm sorry, as early as 2000, there was a report published called Rebuilding America's Defenses, which was uh, published by the Project for the New American Century, which many members of the Bush administration were part of. And they openly said that they wanted increased U.S. military action around the world. They wanted to take out Iraq. They wanted to take out Syria, Libya, uh, Somalia, Sudan. And after 9-11, well, no, here's the interesting thing. In that report, they openly said that we won't be able to achieve this unless there's a catastrophic and catalyzing event like a new Pearl Harbor. It openly Mm -hmm. said that, and it came out in September of 2000. So I'm not going to go any deeper into the (laughs) movies. But shortly after uh, 9-11, this uh, U.S. general, uh, Wesley Clark, came out and said he was in meetings at the the Pentagon. And then they said, we want to invade seven countries in five years. And all those countries were the ones that the Project for the New American Century Wanted to overthrow and none of these countries had anything to do with the nine 11 attacks. It's like, we're just right. going to use this as a pretext. We're going to go in and, and again, make all these countries, liberal democracies. But has that succeeded in any of them? You no, know, we destabilized Libya. It's now a failed state and it became a slave market. Uh, Iraq was a mess. You, you overthrow a, 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 an authoritarian regime and then you create a vacuum of a bunch of, uh, Islamic groups competing for power and it causes chaos. Um, but I think we could trans we could sort of segue this into the Ukraine situation. The United States has a, a specific mindset on the world stage, and it's that it's uh, it's our unique mission to spread liberal democracy throughout the world. And we set the rules. We set the parameters. Now, there's advantages to the United States setting the rules because it's you know, we, we do have decent values overall Like we don't torture people well we do uh we support free speech even though we don't uh (laughs) right so it's like it's there's thugs in our government but at least the idea behind it is somewhat noble i suppose like you'd much rather live in a western style democracy than than saudi arabia obviously but um but it's there's the the united states idea that the world is kind of ours and we're going to run it how we see fit dates all the way back to the Monroe Doctrine, which was in the early 19th century. It was penned by uh, Vice President John Quincy Adams. And that said that basically the whole Western Hemisphere is our sphere of influence and no foreign power can interfere here. Otherwise, we're going to war with you. Mm -hmm. So if Russia sought an alliance with... Mexico, the United States would see that as an act of war pretty much. And okay. the same goes for this actually happened in uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis because the Soviet Union had missiles in Cuba pointed at the United States. Now, that's not good. And obviously, we, we had to put pressure on Russia to get those missiles out of there. But it was seen as a violation of the Monroe Doctrine. How dare you put missiles in Our hemisphere, get out of our neighborhood. You know, no, it's like no one comes into our house and pushes us around. So, in this, this is this is now we'll get right into the Ukraine situation. So, after World War II, the NATO alliance was formed, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. And it was supposed to be a Western alliance. So the main countries that won World War II: Britain, the United States, Canada. Those would be the countries that would be in NATO. But then it started expanding. And when the Soviet Union fell in the early 90s, uh, the Bush administration was doing negotiations. And according to transcripts from Secretary of State James Baker, they told the Soviets that if you allow Germany to be handed over to the NATO sphere of influence, then we will not expand one inch eastward. Into Eastern Europe. Now, we went back on that. Now, there were no official agreements. There was never, nothing was signed to say that we won't expand, but we ended up expanding anyway. And so then uh, Poland was admitted into NATO, uh, Hungary, Romania, all these countries moving closer and closer towards Russia. And now we have uh, Latvia, Lithuania are, are in NATO. So, and these these all used to be in the Soviet Union. Correct? Yeah, these were all former Soviet bloc states. Now, to be clear, I am not taking Russia's side here. i think <laughs> I think Poland needs to be in nato. it's It's in their vital strategic interest to be in NATO because mm-hmm. Putin's unpredictable. And if these countries had not joined NATO, who's to say Putin wouldn't say, "Well, no one's stopping me. I'm just going to walk right back in and take these countries over again." Right. and i'm 25% polish i don't want the polish run by russia hell no like so it's it's important that these countries are in nato however to the point where you have a nato alliance right along russia's border and that's where the big conflict came in where if ukraine joined nato the the the, the nato so alliance- just so
0: people know just so people know okay all those countries that you just said are in nato yeah. okay and and Ukraine's kind of the monkey in the middle here yeah, that's yeah. neutral, and exactly. it's not part yeah. of the Warsaw mm-hmm. uh, of Russia. That's their kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then there's NATO,
2: and then there's Ukraine right in the middle, just so yeah. people know. Yeah, and so when there was talk of the Ukraine possibly joining NATO and the EU, Russia got very suspicious of that. And, and we'll have to understand the history here from Russia's point of view, but- what happened in 2014 is is prior to that there was a there was a a uh, a government in place in Ukraine that was actually loyal to Russia, that was so, somewhat allied with Russia, sort of a a Putin puppet regime, and that was overthrown in a coup, and there were Western interests such as George Soros who were, had admitted to be active in that, and. Uh, it's it's a it's a messy situation. It's, well, explain, it's, we explain
0: that a little bit further. The the coup and the the regime that was taken.
2: There. Yeah. So the the regime was basically a, a a puppet of Putin. Whatever. I can't I can't remember the exact name of the in movie. Ukraine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so there was a coup in 2014, mm-hmm. and that removed that government. So then the new government that was put in place was much more interested in becoming a more western style liberal democracy so ukraine was moving in the direction well of- oh, just stop
0: you there russia used that as the excuse right we we need to become a more liberal democracy this is in crimea where they when they took over crimea right right yeah
2: yeah so- okay
0: and just so people know crimea is important because there's um uh, natural gas reserves. There's access to the ports and everything else. That's why Russia had to create this fake, uh, all right, we need to institute these liberal values in Crimea, but really,
2: that's that I I'm, I'm saying Ukraine was saying that they're shifting towards more of a Western style liberal democracy. Russia wants to prevent that because they want Ukraine to be in their sphere of influence. So when it comes to, uh, Crimea, Well, this, this is, this is Russia trying to snag some more territories to kind of win back. And Ukraine is the latest example of them trying to, in some sense, they are trying to bring back the Soviet Union. They are trying to sort of bring back great imperial Russia. And now one of the reasons that they want to do this is because Russia has faced several invasions from the West throughout history. They faced Napoleon in the early 19th century, and then they faced Hitler and The region between the Caspian Sea and the Black Sea, the Caucasus, which is where they get their oil, is an extremely vital area for Russia. And if, say, Ukraine is in NATO and NATO decides they're going to launch an all-out invasion of Russia someday, all NATO has to do is close the gap between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea, cut off Russia from oil access, cut them off from the Caspian Sea and the Black Sea, and... Russia could lose. So by invading Ukraine, they are pushing that boundary back. So in case the West ever did invade, they've got a huge area of, of blockage so that the, the West can't get to that the Volga region, as it's called.
0: Just so everyone knows, Russia is the second biggest producer of oil. So that's why they can't have this being... Th- or or they don't want this to happen of Ukraine, then joining NATO and just kind of what you said.
2: Right. So the, well, I, I'm, I don't know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, no, no. Because I think it's important to know that, uh, That's why Russia is doing this now. Should they do it morally? Probably not. Uh, should they maybe become less dependent on oil so they don't have to do this? Mm -hmm. Sure. But that's all the routes have already been mapped all of the, you know, they're kind of all of their eggs are in this one basket. And that's the reason they're going and trying to secure all these different ports within Ukraine.
2: Mm -hmm. So I want to talk about the motives of, of Putin because he's an unpredictable guy. And, uh, before the invasion he cited nato expansion nato expansion being the reason that uh this could end up in a war now the irony if if his biggest concern is only nato expansion by taking over all of ukraine he's gonna have a nato alliance right along his border anyway because he'll be surrounded by poland slovakia hungary and romania all of which are nato member states so uh a couple of years ago, I think it was in 2021, he wrote an essay called On the Historical Unity of Russians and Ukrainians, basically saying that he believes that Ukraine is part of Russia. So it was is very clear that this invasion didn't just come down to NATO expansion. Putin wants Ukraine. But that, the Ukrainians is, don't want to be part of Russia. So right. Now, there's that region, the Donbass region in uh, eastern Ukraine. That's what they occupied uh, the first day before the full on invasion started. They said they're sending in troops as uh, as peacekeepers. Uh, They're just using Western terminology like, oh, no, we're just doing a peacekeeping operation. So you're kind of using our tactics against us. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that was the region of the Donbass. Now, majority of the people there, they're they're Russian speaking and they want to be part of Russia. So when he did that, I thought, all right. Let the people who want to be part of Russia be part of Russia. And the same thing was with Crimea. I think more than 90% of the people in Crimea said they wanted to be part of Russia. So if a country, if, if, if a territory wants to be part of a, of, a, of a neighboring country and they speak the same language, let them. But uh, Ukraine does not want to be part of Russia. The vast majority of the people there do want to become more allied with the West Uh, They speak a different language. They have a different culture, regardless of what Putin says. And he should have respected the democratic will of the Ukrainian people, but he didn't and launched an all out invasion. That's been the first major war on the European continent since World War II. And uh, according to the New York Post, which I think they got this data from the Ukrainian government, there's been about 30,000 Russian troops killed so far. And that's that's a lot. The (laughs) Iraq war, a few thousand. So Mm -hmm. That's
0: interesting. What, what's the reasoning behind that? Well, because it's, it's,
2: it's a massive war. It's a extremely, <laughs> it's, this isn't just, I know, like, but it's like, that's a lot of people. Yeah. Well, I think that that statistic is a bit inflated. I think the Ukrainian government's trying to make it seem like they're doing more damage than they are in some cases, but it's still probably at least 15,000. It could be as high as 30,000.
0: Another interesting thing is when Russia took over Crimea, right? then mm-hmm. Ukrainian shut off the water supply that's coming from basically you know i don't know how many miles into Ukraine but the water supply to Crimea and then Russia tried to bring or build this like 4 billion dollar bridge to then get water supply over but that's impossible and so another maybe sprinkle of a reason would be that they want to go get that water supply as well so it's just in my YouTube, Wikipedia research. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, I haven't, I haven't looked into that, so I'm not, I'm not uh, informed on that to make an assessment. So
0: where do you think it goes from here? I know, and how is the U.S. going to become,
2: or um, what, and what's the U.S.'s role going to be? That's that's where it gets difficult because uh, when the war started, I think what we should have tried to do is not encourage more war. And that's what we did do. Like we cheered it on. Like, yeah, fight, fight, fight war. You know, the war drum started pounding in Washington. What we should, we should have done is try to negotiate. Tell, tell Putin, all right, get all your troops out of Ukraine. And we will not ever have Ukraine in NATO or uh, the EU. Ukraine will be a buffer state between NATO and Russia and everyone can be happy. Mm-hmm. And if Putin was like, nah, nah, we're, we're already in this. Then it's like, okay, so obviously you're not concerned about NATO expansion. So then you give your, then we give our support to Ukraine. I think we should have done that, tried to deescalate and that still should be, I, I don't want more war. No one should want more war. We should want to deescalate this, uh, with as minimal death as, as possible. Uh, George Soros says this is going to lead to world war three on the other hand. Mm-hmm. So do, do you think that is a possibility? Uh, well it it depends on the the diplomacy of of the people in charge depends on antony blinken our our wonderful secretary of state uh yeah it's it's i you can't underestimate uh the willingness of the united states government given our history to get us into a war and this is this is where we should talk about uh The United States has wanted to penetrate the Russian market for a hundred years. They have wanted Russia to become part of the global order. And this is where I want to read this quote from a historian from um, uh, University of Idaho. His name is Richard Spence. And this was... Why uh, Western business interests, especially Wall Street, were funding the Russian Revolution in 1917. He said, Americans led the charge to democratize the new Russia and guide it into the loving arms of international capitalism. But that bid also failed, and the upshot has been a return to what is usually described as Cold War hostility, intrigue, and mutual vilification. But as we have seen, this pattern began long before the Cold War. As an outlier from the Western norm, politically and economically, czarist Russia was reviled as an abomination and a threat, as were the Bolsheviks and today the Putin regime. As the saying goes, the more things change, the more they stay the same. So that really sums up the attitude of the United States and Britain towards Russia for the past 100 years. It's seen as an outlier from the Western norm and they badly want to bring Russia to its knees. Now, should Putin be removed from power. Well, we shouldn't do it because I don't want to start World War III, but I definitely want Putin gone. I think it, it, my, my dream is that Russia could sort of uh, have a, a, a better leader, a, a non-authoritarian dictator, and they could sort of bring back the uh, orthodox Christian Russia that was the case before, the Bolsheviks, the communists took over in 1917, because they've never entirely got out of the Soviet mindset and Putin himself was a KGB agent. So he came out of that Soviet era. And mm-hmm. I think, and he's even written that, that uh, I, I'll, I'll butcher the quote if I attempt it. So I'm not going to, but, but, but they have nostalgia for the Soviet union, even though they right. know that the, the the communist system failed, they still miss the glory days of the Soviet union, even though they were not glorious, but, but the people in charge over there, they, they still are trying to live that out. And I think that they just need to just erase the Soviet union from their history, except that, you know, this was a very bad regime that killed millions and millions of people. And they need to restore the, the, the Orthodox Christian Russia of the 19th century without being imperialist.
0: Can you explain that without being imperialist?
2: Russia always wanted to expand. So when they'd have their czars, it was always the czar would want to conquer more territory for the Russian empire. And uh, I'm just on principle, whether it's the United States doing it or it's Russia doing it, I am against imperialism. We need not, not like all the nation states in the world are basically drawn. Now everyone, everyone's got their space Based on the post-war consensus, and so it, it, it's never going to happen. But they just—they just needs to just countries need to stop having this this drive for more territory, more resources. Just respect mm-hmm. the democratic will of people everywhere to look out for their own affairs, to take care of their own people, to put the the interests of their own country first. And then, and then, and then, of course, there should be a, some body like the united nations where they where we can solve international disputes without trying to become a world government that's my stance but but unfortunately you still have but what if you
0: live in a place with no resources don't you need to expand well or just move and then no one lives in this place it's just some
2: random place that has land well see that th- that's that was the issue with uh, japan in uh World War II. They had two choices. They could actually democratize and liberalize a bit and kind of join the international system. And so then they would have more imports from uh the West. Well, because Japan doesn't have a lot of resources, the island of Japan. So 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 Japan decided, well, we're gonna be militarist and we're gonna acquire resources by force. So that's why they started expanding throughout the Pacific. Uh so I think yeah, <laughs> The the instead of war, countries just need to cooperate uh, politically and economically with with other nations. And see, Japan could have done that. They didn't need to uh, invade the whole Pacific and invade uh, um, Manchuria, but they did because they thought we're not gonna we're not gonna play by anyone else's rules. We're gonna take the resources for ourselves. So it's it the the issue with uh foreign policy and and uh international relations is it's so complicated and it comes down in the end it doesn't matter if you're liberal or conservative it's it's very complicated the world is like a chessboard with different different pawns uh trying to 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 advance and so i don't have the solution in anyone who does think they have a solution um is lying because it's it's it's, it's just, it's conflict, and there's always been conflict in the world, and there always will be conflict. So I think the only thing you could do is just try to de escalate it when it happens to minimize the damage, minimize the destruction, and the death.
0: Mm-hmm. The rights argument is that if Donald Trump was in power, that maybe this whole Russia invasion doesn't happen. Do you
2: agree with that? I do agree with that because, because uh, Trump broadcasted to these uh world leaders that he was basically a crazy son of a bitch and apparently according to what he said he told putin that you better not invade ukraine under my watch if you move on ukraine i will strike moscow that's what he apparently said he said he's just going to launch missiles at moscow and so putin was like you're not gonna do that and then he's like oh i will i will and so putin just thought all right i'm i'm just not gonna test this guy and then you get sleepy joe in there and these it was a perfect time for russia to do this because they're looking at the united states and they're saying that country is collapsing the, the social fabric in the United States is, is falling apart. They're, they're, they're obsessed with race and gender. Uh, they have no national unity anymore. They just withdrawed from Afghanistan, which was a disaster and an embarrassment for the United States on the world stage. And they've got a president who can't even put together a coherent sentence. So for Russia, they thought now's the time let's do this. Cause they probably mm-hmm. wanted to do this for years, but, uh, you know, that's what happened. The, you know, the United States influence is, is declining. And so now hostile foreign powers are are trying to make their moves.
0: Isn't the wouldn't the opposite argument be that if they did that and then Donald Trump called his bluff and actually wouldn't that go to George Soros's uh, World War Three argument? Well,
2: you're if- just saying Putin would never do that. He, he would not have moved on Ukraine under Trump. I don't think so. I think, okay. I think, because, and it, like, when this happened, I thought, I really underestimated how great it was to have Trump as president because the world was stable for those four years. He didn't start any new wars. And that was a first since Jimmy Carter, as far as US presidents go, every US president would start a new war, except Trump. And so he leaves in the wouldn't the argument
0: be, yes, the global stage was more stable, but that, you know, let's 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 bring it back home that um, I guess the less argument would be, yes, the global stage is more stable, but we were approaching civil war type. uh, I'm 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 missing the word I want to go with here, but civil war type uh atmospheres. Well because Because he was (laughs) stuck in the flame, right? He knew who his base was.
2: They'll they'll blame it on him, but I would I'd say that uh, the media had the biggest role in that because Donald Trump became president and the whole intelligence community and the mainstream media and the Democratic Party and uh International NGOs, organizations, no one wanted Trump from the from the system, from the establishment. And so they set out to destroy him. And so I think this massive Syria that we saw on the left that that was just rioting because of Trump is because all that's all that is instigated by the media. If if Donald if if uh, see, if Donald Trump didn't have his stance on U.S. foreign policy, trade and immigration, Even if he was like right wing, even though he wasn't that right wing, they would not have attacked him as they as they did. The reason that they wanted Trump out of there is because he did not align with the the establishment consensus on trade, immigration, and foreign policy. Those three issues. That's why they wanted Trump out.
0: Okay. I think that's good um anything else you want to add on the ukrainian uh russia front
2: not off the top of my head i just hope we don't end up in world war three because i why
0: does george soros okay explain to the people because i you just mentioned you'd throw out the name george soros and it just has connotation of conspiracy and <laughs> and weird thing can you give us the background as as what 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 is his role, and why would he want a World War Three? Which I think is what you were well, implying no, no, he's putting that
2: out there because well, I don't, he wants World War Three? I, I, I—well, he's he's obviously a psychopath because it, when he was a kid, he went growing up in Hungary, he actually helped the Nazis round up uh, his fellow Jews, confiscate their property, and it was a way for him to to stay alive, I suppose. But still, like like he got his fellow Jews killed. And then he was interviewed about it on sixty minutes, and the interviewer asked, "Like, do you have any lifelong guilt for that? This any problem?" He's like, "No, not at, none at all, none at all." Yeah, <laughs> it's just like what <laughs> any normal person would would be like going to therapy for years. Like, what have I done? Yeah, you know. <laughs> but so so he's he's psycho, but he he's well he's just he's just a globalist that's that's what he is he's he's trying to advance the cause of liberal democracy open society which is just which is just globalism that's that's what he's supporting and that's what i that's what i had to mention about ukraine ukraine is not a western liberal democracy it's a deeply corrupt country Mm -hmm. it wasn't democratically elected like they came to power in a coup and they've shut down opposition media Zelensky has banned political parties that are not. He's basically like the man in charge. Now, th- some of those parties and uh, media were pro Russia, so they thought. You know, it's martial law. You can't be. You can't be putting out the propaganda of the enemy. But still, if you're if you're trying to promote yourself to the world as as a democracy, and get everyone's support the last thing you should be doing is shutting down political parties that don't agree with you and media that don't agree with you. Yeah,
0: I agree. That is a good point on Ukraine because the, everybody is like, um, you know, everyone needs a bad guy and everyone needs a good guy. Mm-hmm. These just might be two bad guys. <laughs>
2: Well, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a chessboard. And I, I, I guess my stance is, is uh, I do, I do support Ukraine because they got invaded and I want them to hold on to their country. And I hope Russia just gives up and goes home. And, and that's the end of it. But mm-hmm. uh, just, we got to avoid a world war three here because I'm at prime drafting age and I don't want to go kill Russians. I don't, I, 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 right. I think I think I'd be a conscientious objector like this. This should never have happened. Don't like like I've said in my the end of my video, instead of exchanging rounds of M4 and AK-47, Americans and Russians should be exchanging rounds of Budweiser and vodka. Right. I agree. You actually
0: think there could be a draft? If there's a World War Three there there could. I don't know. What would be the ramifications of that?
2: Well, it would be it would be a mess because uh the, this country would just not have a citizenry that's military ready, largely because of obesity.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: That's that would be the biggest issue. So they would have to lower the bar in terms of uh, the the P T test mm-hmm. to get in. I think you have to run two miles in under sixteen minutes or something like that, and then you have to do push ups and sit ups. It's it's not like insanely hard but a lot of a lot of people cannot do that and and especially because of people being overweight and obese i think i think less than half of people of of drafting age can can actually pass that test although you know top gun maverick just came out dude so you got to think
0: that the numbers are going to be boosted
2: yeah right yeah they're 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 getting us ready for the for the next big war they're they're uh... (laughs)
0: It's a marketing tactic, by the way. They have their recruiters outside of uh, Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. One
2: thing I just want to mention on the conspiracy theory front, Alex Jones. Tom Cruise (laughs) is a
0: splinter cell. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Alex Jones, last year, I think in October, it was in October, he comes on the air and he's like, folks, there's going to be a big war in February. That's what all my sources are saying the top people on the world stage who are not with the new world order say there's going to be a big war in February. And then Russia invades Ukraine in February.
0: <laughs> like, oh, so you think, you think Alex Jones actually was on the, on the money with this.
2: He was, he predict like he said that from his sources. And also they're turning the frogs gay. Yeah.
1: Gosh,
0: yeah.
2: Damn it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's the problem. He, yeah. you know, he's on target with the, with the war. But then he says they're
2: turning the frogs gay. So it's like, well, it's, you can't be right. One out of it, 10 he, times. Dude. Well, he, that's a chemical called atrazine, which is put in the water <laughs> that has made the frogs, not gay, but asexual or hermaphrodites. I love that we're ending this on frogs. Are they gay?
0: <laughs> Question mark. It's <laughs> a good way to end uh, a, a very morbid topic. <laughs> What's the what? Okay, what is the what are they putting in the water? I I need to know.
2: It's a chemical called atrazine. I don't know why they're putting it in the water or where or for what reason. But when they put the chemical atrazine in the water, it makes the frogs asexual or hermaphrodites.
0: (laughs) Uh, I'm looking it up. Wait a second before we end. At what is it? Atrazine. Atrazine. I think it's A T R A Z I N E, something like that. Okay, it's a pesticide. People, Mm just so. If we can have the exact definition. Yeah. <clears throat> Widely used pesticide. It wreaks havoc. This is true. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Okay. I would like to, everyone to know. Alex Jones was right. He, re- This pesticide wreaks havoc with the sex lives of adult male frogs, emasculating three quarters of
2: them, and turning one in ten into females? <laughs>
0: This is by the University of California, Berkeley. Yeah.
2: What happens if they use it on humans?
0: What the fuck? <laughs> Dude, we're breaking we're breaking barriers right now. Yep. Wait, so what it what wait. I'm confused. So they put this is a pesticide, so that means they spray it on all of our vegetables. <laughs> I dude, you know. got to wash, dude, when you get that hella fresh delivery and yeah. the directions say wash the produce. Yeah, that's
2: why this when is you the reason it, you want BPA free water, BPA free. That's another thing that's sterilizing us, causing cancer. Jeez Louise.
0: Yeah, I was always wondering, like my blue apron, it had, it does like have an asterisk. And then at the bottom it says may or may – if you don't wash your produce, you may turn gay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or female, 1 mm-hmm. in 10.
2: 1 mm-hmm. in 10.
0: That's – dude, That that's uh, – I thought that was like a joke.
2: No. No, it's real.
1: <laughs>
0: okay. On that note, we end this episode of the Sunday Punch Podcast. Wash your produce. Uh, really good videos on this, by the way. Uh, Just type in, why is Russia invading Ukraine? Uh, Real Life Lore has a great video on the whole conflict. It's about 30 minutes long. I didn't know anything about it. I'm one of those uh, just on top level Twitter people where I I didn't know anything about an actual giant war that has 30,000 casualties. Uh, Learn more about it. Uh, There's another great video called The Insanely Profitable Business of War that's on YouTube. That's another 30 minutes. Uh, Fun fact, by the way, I think there's only been like 200 years of uh, war-free society in all of human history. Isn't that crazy? It is. (laughs) And uh, by the way, there's probably like 15 different wars that are going on at any different point in time, and America's probably funding both sides. (laughs) On that note, it is Saturday. At eleven seventeen AM, but as we know, it's always Friday night. Thanks for joining. Thanks, Aiden.
1: Friday night. I'm thinking that we just might fly away to someplace they don't know who we are. now i'm riding shotgun in your car we drive through the city like explorers going 65 flowing hair flying across your face we left on friday Now it's Saturday Press jeans buttoned up Jeans iron slipping up Red shoes walking slow Headphones blaring three stacks Sunglasses flaring out Thick watch hanging low Studded belt pulled taut Three stacks on the radio Friday night I'm thinking that we just might Run away to some place We, we can be who we are We can be who we are